Hello, and welcome to All Fighters Follow Me, a Star Wars Armada podcast, as well as a proud member of the Armchair Adventures podcast series. I'm Moff Ted. And I'm Senator Faith. Today with us we have a local nerf herder that goes by the name of Ian. Hi, Ian. Hey, how's it going? Good. So, this is not your first time being on air, so most people know you as the world's judge and all these fancy things. They call you the emperor, but around here you're just another guy that plays Armada with us. Yeah. I, you know, I try to keep it casual. Fly casual. And also <laughs> knows all the rules. Well, you know, just don't play all like of the dark casual. secrets of the Empire. <laughs> so, um, and today we just wanted to have you talk about some of your favorite commanders, ships, upgrades to run, and squadrons. Yeah, sounds good. So, anything that they want to start off with there? Um, we'll start from the top. I think um, commander. Yeah, know, every every fleet needs one. Uh, Thrawn is a definite favorite of mine. Uh, because he provides so much versatility, um, and it's not just the fact that he's very efficient. Uh, he gives command dials that can increase the efficiency of your fleet depending on how many ships you're running, um, but he also just has a huge amount of versatility in how you actually use him. You know, it's not something that says you have to pick all the same command or even that once you have set your three face-down commands for Thrawn, you have to stick to them in a certain order. You can just do so much with him, and he's he's so good. Now, what's the exact wording of Thrawn again? <sighs> exact wording? I see how it oh, is. well, you know. Paraphrasing, Paraphrasing. At, the, at the start of the game, not know. <laughs> after fleets are deployed, you place three face-down command cards on Thrawn, and uh, at the start of a ship phase, you may reveal one of those command dials, and uh, for the rest of the round, uh, each of your ships, when it activates, along with the command dial that it reveals, gains a dial matching the one for Thrawn that round. So you can have, you know, this ship has concentrated fire, and also Thrawn's navigate, and this ship is doing a repair command, and also Thrawn's navigate. You know, it just doubles up on everything. Yeah, I find it's very powerful on ships that have higher values, like higher engineering, higher squadron. So you get a larger ship or a medium ship in there. And that Thrawn dial on top of its normal dial really let it start multiplying its ability. Yeah. And pretty good for those high command ships where maybe it's going to be a while till you get a navigate command. And you need one now. You need one yesterday. Mm-hmm. He provides an incredible amount of flexibility. I've flown him a fair amount as well. And I I fall into the general... I don't want to call it a trap necessarily, but the kind of pigeonholing of Thrawn as, I just stacked squadron dials, or I just stacked a couple nav dials on him, when he can really do so much more if you plan correctly for him. Yeah, I tend to fly him that way as well, mm-hmm. um, where I'm like... I know that I'm going to need squadrons or navigates um, for several of these rounds. Um, and, of course, the thing that's always tricky with that is just making sure that you are very much on top of the commands that your ships are actually planning, because otherwise, you know, then you are losing that versatility of, what do I actually need this round? If you 
if you plan it well and it's like, yes, I, I timed it out correctly, I've got my repair command for the ship after it just took shots, and I've also got the navigate to get out of there, and everything was perfect, and you feel like some, some sort of grand admiral who's really good at planning something, I, I, I don't know what we would call him. Uh, aside from Thrawn, uh, another favorite admiral of mine is one who is as simple as Thrawn is complex, and that is Mahdi. Um, we're very much living right now in what a lot of people are referring to as a haymaker meta, where you kind of go in guns blazing, and there's just tons of dice, tons of damage happening all at once. Um, and sometimes, you know, Thrawn is really great for if you've got that repair command, and it's like, oh, you know, this turn, all my ships are going to get a repair command, and I'm going to be able to recover from these hits. But if you have taken so much damage that your ship doesn't get to activate because it's destroyed, then that doesn't do you any good. Um, and so Mahdi is good for just extending the life of your ships and just keeping them alive. You know, when you're going head-to-head, -head, you know, ISD to ISD, sometimes it's just whoever has slightly more hull points or shield or whatever it is. Yeah, especially since Mahdi gives three extra hull to the large ships. There have been several times where I faced an opponent using Mahdi, and if it weren't for that extra three hull, they would have been destroyed. Yep, and I have a list that I run with Mahdi, um, where even my Gazantis that are in the list, you know, I've had people go, and I ran your Gazanti, and that's three damage on it, and your Gazanti is dead, and I'm like, no it's not, because I'm running Mahdi. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing... There's nothing quite as frustrating, especially especially because of how often you see things like minister to a electronic countermeasures on a Gazanti that keeps it alive forever. So you're trying to just ram it to death, and all of a sudden you're going from three turns of running one ship into it to four, and it's just that little bit extra time that really just gets frustrating. Yeah, absolutely. Um, going back to Thrawn, are there any cards or ship combos that you find especially powerful with that? Any that I find especially powerful. Um, there is a list that I threw together for myself because I thought it would be fun. Um, and it was. It was just as fun as I thought it would be. Uh, that has a gladiator demolisher, a couple of support gazantes, and then three command class Arcanins with engine techs on them. Uh, and Thrawn is generally set to navigate when I'm running that list. Uh, so the Arcanins are all able to trigger their engine techs. They're getting the additional yaw. I'm able to just kind of zip them around wherever they need to, but that I can still set either a concentrate fire on them, or if one of them is taking a bit more heat uh, then one of the others I can do repair, um, and being able to get that efficiency of Thrawn across the entire fleet applied to a specific purpose, which in this case is using the Navigate to trigger the engine techs on every single ship, mm -hmm. that's something that I have a lot of fun with. 
specifically. Yeah, that sounds really good. That was a it was a very complex fleet that because uh, I've played against that a couple times and it's a really I would say more advanced fleet to run, but I know you had an absolute blast doing it. I did. So. It is one of the more fun fleets I have flown, <laughs> even though I constantly feel like I'm just on the razor's edge, razor's edge and I'm, I'm going to explode at any second. But yeah, it's, it's, good. it's a good fleet. <laughs> so, and then how about with Mahdi? Do you have a, a ship or a fleet archetype with Mahdi you like to run? Well, my bread and butter is the one that I call Frost Giants, which is two ISDs. Uh, it's an ISD Kuat with Avenger and then an ISD 2 with some gunnery teams. Uh, I've got my two Gazantes. Both of them run slicer tools. And on the Gazantes, as well as the ISD-2, I have tractor beams on all of them. Uh, so it's a ton of hull. Uh, it's difficult to take things down, as we discussed with the Gazantes. You know, even if you start trying to ram them to death, it may not necessarily work quite as quickly as you need to. Um, and then the tractor beams are just slowing everything down. The ISDs are right in the middle of the action, and they've got the hull to survive and just pump out damage at people. Uh, and I've contemplated running it with a different commander, um, seeing if it might work better or worse with that, but I've had so many games where, especially my Kuat being the one that is generally leading the charge, getting in there, dumping the damage... Um, where I'll end the game and my ISD has two or even one hull left, and if I hadn't had Mahdi, I would have been dead. You know? So any any list, I think, that is a big brawler list, um, I don't often run Mahdi with, like, Victory Class or Interdictors um, just because those ships themselves are sometimes a little bit harder to build a fleet around. Um, but Mahdi is kind of in the same fashion as Thrawn. He, he helps to build efficiency based on what you are actually flying in your fleet. Like, I would, I would never dream of using Mahdi for that Arkadins and, and small base fleet that I have because... Not only would I not get the efficiency from Thrawn, but, you know, ooh, each of my ships get one extra hull, but they're all zipping around, and I'm not trying to have them in the heart of the action anyway, so. Yeah, I could definitely see that. The then that's one thing we talk about a lot on here, is talking about, like, how does this ship interact? I know my, my list that I like to run, I like to run Raiders and Gazantes, and um, usually a Star Destroyer or a Interdictor, and Mahdi could be helpful, but those raiders are not going to survive with one extra hull if something's really hitting them. Uh, the Gazantes that I'm, I'm just running comms nets and stuff, so probably not as well, even even though yeah, they're not well, getting in, in the fight. In that list, you're running Jerjerot, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like overall, no matter what commander you're going to put into your fleet, you really want the commander that is going to give the best benefit to all of your ships. You know, if you are running a fleet where maybe you do have a Kuat that's going to be going in there and brawling, but then you're trying to support it 
with Arkadins out on the fringes, um, which is something that I've never seen tried, but now that I say it out loud, I kind of want to see it on the table. Um, I've been building a list like that. Okay, great. Um, I expect to see it on the table. Oh, yes, sir. Um, <laughs> yes, no, I, I feel like you wouldn't necessarily want Mahdi for that list, because even though it's helping your one ship, it's not necessarily helping your entire fleet. Right. And so one thing we haven't really gone through is actually going through the different types of Star Destroyer. And unlike every other ship, which have two variants, the Star Destroyer, due to the Chimera expansion and the Star Dest- Imperial Star Destroyer expansion, has four different ship types. Yeah. Um, I'm very partial myself to the Kuat and the ISD-2, like you mentioned. The Kuat being a black dice variant that has a defensive retrofit slot, low squadron value, um, but is the only one with ordnance upgrades, and the ISD-2 being the kind of gold standard, healthy amount of blue and red dice, ion cannon and turbo laser upgrades, a defensive retrofit, and full squadron value of four, which, and a lot of people don't run Star Destroyer squad pushers, but if you get a good, like, second round or maybe sometimes third round squad push with an ISD-2, four squadrons do a lot of work. Yeah, I feel like ISD-2s as squadron pushers did kind of fall by the wayside a little bit more once the Quasar did come out, mm-hmm. just because, you know, they have an upgrade suite that's a little bit more directed at the specific squad push for them, and of course they're much, much cheaper if you're just using them to push squads. But yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, if you are using your ISD for that squad pushing, um, it's something that can be really potent. Um, There was a variant list of Sloan that I used to fly, uh, and one of the strategies that I really enjoyed using was actually on the turn that I was planning to hit with uh, with Avenger, because Avenger was on my ISD-2. And this was before the Chimera pack was released. So the Kuat Avenger thing um, wasn't, wasn't something that existed. You know, yeah. the Kuat wasn't out yet. So I ran the Avenger title on my ISD-2, uh, and I would have a squadron command on the turn I expected to hit people with. I would bring the squadrons in, hit um, bare minimum, I'm dealing some damage to them right before I'm going to be hitting them with my big front arc. Um, And then, best case scenario, I'm getting a couple of accuracies with Sloan and knocking out their defense tokens and doing that before I hit them. Yeah, and that's with that Avenger is that exhausted exhausted title that when you exhaust it on, during an attack, your opponent can't use any more defense tokens. So if you get those Sloan accuracies, which we talked about in another in an earlier cast, that flips their defense tokens so then that Avenger title come falling through, they can't use those defense tokens anymore, and it's often more effective than just an accuracy because there's ways to get around accuracies with electronic countermeasures and, yep. and such as that. 
yeah, just any any time you can do something in the game to absolutely prevent your opponent from doing something is going to probably be better for you as the attacker. You know, like Intel Officer is a really nasty upgrade that says if you spend your defense token, then it's going to be gone. It's not just exhausted. Um, but if I've got 10 damage coming my way from a massive roll on a Liberty class MC-80, and they say, I have my Intel officer, and if you use your brace, then you lose it. I'm like, that's fine. I will I will lose it to cut five of this 10 damage and then try to get away and not have this happen again. Yeah, there's, there's a difference between forcing bad decisions and forcing no decision. No decision. Yeah. Um, and that's... And you talked about when you're running your, your ISDs, you have in your Frost Giants list, you run boarding troopers on your quad. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you run gunnery teams on your ISD2. Gunnery teams, which we haven't talked about before, lets you attack two different targets from the same hull zone. And when I say targets, that's two different ships or a ship and then whatever squadrons are in that zone. And you can't attack any one target more than once. Um, I'm a big fan when I run my, my Star Destroyer. I have my Jaredraw list with its raiders and all this other stuff. But the the linchpin of that list is a Imperial 2 class Star Destroyer because it is really just best ship in the game. Objectively I, I, speaking, I would say would that I would say that it is certainly the most versatile ship in the game. Yeah, I would argue, I would say that's a good argument. But instead of using gunnery teams or boarding troopers Avenger, I actually run the weapons team Darth Vader that lets me remove upgrades. And I found in many cases the standard suite of like boarding troopers Avenger, leading shots, electronic countermeasures, all that stuff you see on a standard Star Destroyer. Between Darth Vader and XI-7 turbo lasers, which reduce your opponent's ability to redirect, it's about the same if you cut off their electronic countermeasures and you can accuracy your brace at every turn, every shot. It ends up being about the same, maybe a little less potent than Avenger, but it's also more flexible. And I've had some really great games where I've got to remove things, um, like re- rapid launch bays would let you store squadrons inside your ship, and if that card is removed, those squadrons are removed from play. I believe I got a profundity title once. Um, a lot of the times it's just electronic countermeasures or whatever defensive retrofits keeping my opponent's ship alive. Sometimes it's like Lando Calrissian, Captain Whatever Brunson. last thing I have left well, and the you thing, take. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing that I really love about your Darth Vader boarding trooper on that is that not only is it extremely versatile in how you apply it offensively, it can also actually be very versatile defensively. Like, if you are running against someone who, you know, has Radis or something, and they drop in a Liberty right behind you with the Mon Karen title, and you know that your ISD has no chance of turning around and actually destroying that Liberty, and it's basically just you trying to survive, if they've dropped in a close range of you, you can say, okay, you know, I'm going to flee, you're going to chase me, but before I do, I'm going to use Darth Vader to strip your Mon Karen title so that I can actually defend better while I try to survive this thing that you've set up against me. Or if they bring in their Demolisher 
with Gladiator, you can say, how about if you're not Demolisher anymore? <laughs> you know, it's got a huge amount of versatility to it, and I really yeah. like that. And I don't know if anyone knew this, but in Darth Vader's utility belt, he actually has a can of industrial strength space spray paint, so he can actually cover over ship's nameplates so they can't use them anymore. <laughs> Write a new name. This is now the MC Buttface. Sure. I don't know if that's one I've done before, but maybe I'll give it a try. Um, that title means, oh no. <laughs> oh. What else you got for me? Well, um, what kind of squadrons do you like to play? What squadrons do I like to play? Um, would you say Would you say you're a pretty heavy squadron player, or do you like to kind of back and forth? Lately, I have been running a, li- a little bit fewer uh, number of squadrons, uh, although the last couple lists that I've built have put squadrons back into them. Uh, so yeah, I, I think I would say I'm a little bit back and forth. Um, but in general, I'm... I'm either a whole bunch of squadrons or nothing. Um, The two lists that I mentioned previously have no squadrons in them just because I don't really have the room to do what I want to do with the lists and still put squadrons in. Um, But the lists that I have that do use squadrons, I like either... I like having versatility in the squadrons, um in how I engage with stuff, and because of that, I would say that my top squadron is probably the TIE Defender. Um, It's got fantastic anti-squad. It's got serviceable anti-ship. I mean, one blue die for Bomber is not the most amazing thing in the world, Um, but I'm a huge fan of running Defenders with Sloan because no matter what you roll against a ship, you're getting something. You know, you're either knocking out a defense token or you're getting damage. Um, And just the fact that they are bombers, that they have the bomber keyword, means that if I bring them, even if I'm not putting something like Precision Strike uh, into my objectives that is reliant on having bombers, if my opponent is going second and I see that they have precision strike, it gives me the capability of trying to utilize that to my advantage, as opposed to having a squadron list that has absolutely no bombers in it. Um, And maybe if my opponent has a whole bunch of bombers and precision strike, fighter ambush, and superior positions, you know, if I feel the desire to choose precision strike and I wipe out their bomber wing with my space superiority fighter list that's great I mean I've prevented them from using their objective but now I also have a tough time actually utilizing it right so just having that that extra versatility in there of yes I do have bombers I can kind of do whatever comes at me I can I can work with that yeah and, yeah, and defenders, the thing with, with them, they're expensive, but they're stat line outside of, like you said, serviceable but not great. Um, they have the same chance of doing damage as like a TIE Advance does mm-hmm. for the same amount. The bomber keyword is a nice buff on occasion, yep. but their two black, two blue anti-squadron is absolutely devastating. Yeah. 
Um, I've I run a fair amount of them, and uh, they'll regularly, they almost automatically one shot three hull squadrons. Well, I shouldn't say automatically, but they're very capable of doing so. I've had them one shot a wings and other four health squadrons. Especially if you are running them with something like a Quasar that has flight controllers yeah. and you're adding that die in, it makes them really, really consistent even against like ace squadrons that have a scatter defense token mm-hmm. where if you are sending them against something, your ship has flight controllers, they are then rolling two black dice and three blue dice. Your chance of getting at least one accuracy to prevent the scatter is pretty good, and then the black dice, you're probably going to get some damage through, and a lot of those aces with scattered defense tokens don't have much hull to actually work with, Yeah. so they wipe stuff out fast. And they also wipe stuff out by getting there fast. Um, yep. I know we talked about tight interceptors and speed 5, and we talked about A-wings and speed 5, and tight defenders are speed 5, but are way more durable and hit about as hard as an interceptor would. Yep. With after yep. you count if you're counting in swarm and harder if you're not. Yep. Are there any aces that you particularly like to use? Um, I enjoy bringing all of the standard aces to the table that you would see. If anybody at home is wondering, like, why isn't he talking about any rebel stuff? It's because I don't play rebels. I am imperial to the bone. And you are the Empire. I am the Empire. Uh, so <laughs> I will play most of the standard Imperial Aces. Um, Molar Mythal is a favorite because it's so easy to just dump damage into a squadron ball. Um, Dengar is... Honestly, I don't even use Dengar quite so much for his ability of granting other squadrons counter. I mean, it's nice, you know, but, like, if I'm giving one of my TIE defenders a counter of one, it's like, uh, okay, sure, it's there, it's nice to have. Then um, there's one that I don't see that often. The the thing it's that I... underrated. The thing I that... I don't know if I'd say underrated. I just feel like we don't have a lot of people that are playing really Imperial Squadron heavy right now here. Yeah, you know. not in our meta. Um, but the thing that is... I think very useful about Dengar is just the fact that he is an a, a source of intel for your squadrons that has a scatter defense token. Yeah. So he's tough to get off the table, you know, and and then if you're not getting him off the table, then the other squadrons are kind of doing their work. Um, one squadron that I popped into a list that I've been playing a little bit that uses a, a bunch of fire sprays, I'm... I'm Trying to get Fireball back on the table. Um, and Fireball, uh, for anyone who wasn't around back in the ancient year of, what was that, 2017, um, is a bunch of Fire Sprays and Major Rhymer. Uh, and this was before Major Rhymer's errata that meant that he could grant other squadrons at distance one of himself the ability to shoot ships at up to medium range, which was ridiculous. It needed to be eroded. Yeah. Um, but even so, even with him only allowing ships to shoot, or uh, sorry, allowing squadrons to shoot ships at close range now, 
that's still a substantial buff. I mean... It's not twice as far, but it's yeah, close it's, to. Yeah, it's not twice as far. Close range is within, like, a millimeter of being distance two. Mm-hmm. So if you are looking at your squadrons and you're saying to yourself, oh, well, distance one is the normal distance they shoot, but what if I could shoot at distance two instead? And that's what Rhymer does to you. And, you know, I played a game where... You know, my opponent had set up, like, a squadron screen around their ship, and, like, it would have been really effective at keeping me from, like, getting in there and dealing a bunch of damage, except that I was just kind of able to work around it a little bit. Um, You know, I still had to use a source of intel to allow me to shoot their ship, but it just opened up the flexibility so much. I ran... I actually ran a Thrawn squadron list where it was mostly TIE Bombers, and uh, I threw Major Rhymer in there just for that extra reach, and sometimes it's not just the ability to reach through their squadron screen, but also it just lets you attack from farther away with your bombers, and with your fire sprays, which are speed 3, that can make a huge difference. Yeah, they really need that extra reach. Um, I was thinking, Faith, you would ask, you know, are there any squadrons, or ace squadrons that I particularly Mm -hmm. like? Um... There is one that I will often throw into my lists that I get a lot of weird looks for, and that is Black Squadron. Uh, just the the one that came out in the Corellian Conflict, where it is a TIE fighter with escort and and counter one naturally, and it's it's three hull, it's an escort for like exactly one attack most of the time. <laughs> Yeah. Like, it is on the field to die, and to <laughs> die quickly. But, you know, I've, I've just always loved it. Like, there there have been plenty of games where I'll just drop it in to be that tiny little wrench in the gears and say, I know that you really, really want to attack Mauler with this squadron, but first I want you to attack Black Squadron. Just this once. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know... Maybe I could put that nine points to better use somewhere, but I find that it helps me a lot of the time, and I really like it. Yeah, I mean, one attack can make or break your squadron. Especially if you're protecting a scatter ace. Mm -hmm. Um, That is often the difference between that scatter ace living through the rest of the game if they didn't get that attack off when they had their scatter spent already. Right. Well, yeah, because with the scatter aces, it is so much about pumping enough damage into them to overcome that defense token. Yeah. You know, you can either get the accuracy and lock the defense token, or you can throw enough attacks at them that they're forced to spend it and burn it and get rid of it. And if I can deny even one of those attacks, sometimes that's all my scatter ace needs to get away. So with with your Thrawn and Mahdi list, and you're t- we've been talking about some uh, Star Destroyers, what is your favorite objective to run with like a Thrawn Star Destroyer or Mahdi Star Destroyer list? Um, it depends on the list that I'm running. Whenever possible, I try very much to use Most Wanted. Um, Most Wanted, to me, is one of the best objectives in the game because it gives a huge amount of focus on how I want the engagement to actually happen. Um, so if I have a Star Destroyer or Star Destroyers 
in my fleet, uh, and then I have a Gazanti in there as support. I'll have Most Wanted so that if my opponent chooses it, I can say my Gazanti is going to be my objective ship. You can try and come after it for an extra 23 points. But I am going to make your blank the objective ship. So not only am I going to get more points for going after it, up to potentially 120 if they have uh, a Star Destroyer, a Star Destroyer or with the Super Star Destroyer coming out very soon, you know, <laughs> I'm going to be able to say, great, let's, let's do it. Uh, something big is coming, kids. <laughs> and not oh, only... All hail the salmon. <laughs> Not only am I able to put pressure on my opponent to say, oh, wow, um, you know, I would just throw admonition into the middle of that meat grinder because I can probably survive, and even if I don't survive, it's, you know, what, 90 points? You know, usually not even. Um, but if they're going to be getting, like, an additional... 63 points out of that, maybe I want to kind of rethink my strategy. Um, but also the thing I like about Most Wanted is that it adds the die to the attacks, and a lot of times that can make a big difference. I've had plenty of games where it's like, okay, cool, I've got a double arc with my ISD2, and I would be throwing an attack of four dice and then eight dice at you, which is bad enough on its own, but instead it's going to be five dice and nine dice. Or, hey, I've got you at long range, I'm going to throw my four red dice, which is serviceable. You know, you'll generally get two damage out of that. Yeah. But, like, it's going to be five dice. My ISD2 has suddenly become a Psymoon at long range, you know, just because of adding that in. And also the flexibility of Most Wanted. If you have that ISD2 and... Not all the time when you see leading shots in an ISD-2, but an overwhelming percentage of the time you'll see leading shots in an ISD-2. And most want unless you just tag a blue dice in, so if you really want, you roll all blanks or like three blanks on those reds, you can toss the blue and re-roll it, giving that flexibility with most wanted is really strong. Yeah. Um, and earlier uh, we spoke about... Uh, well... Sorry, uh, you wouldn't be able to do the leading shots thing uh, at at long range because it is the same rules oh, as concentrate right. fire. It has to be in one that's already. Okay, um, until I don't take people's most wanted and I don't run it myself. We um, we talked about gunnery teams earlier yeah. on the ISD two and how it's really versatile. It allows you to shoot multiple targets. Um, I because of that because of the versatility of gunnery teams. I generally will not run advanced gunnery. For a long time, advanced run gunnery was the king of Imperial Star Destroyer objectives. Yeah. You know, you threw it into your list, and then it's like, my Star Destroyer gets to shoot you twice and, and suffer, suffer the power of my ISD. Um, but there was an FAQ done uh, that says that if you are running gunnery teams on your ISD you may not 
have that ship as your objective ship for advanced gunnery. Right. Um, and so often, I want gunnery teams on my ISD, and I and I want that. And even if my opponent is running advanced gunnery, it's like, well, if I can't put this on my ISD, I don't know if I necessarily want it. So right. because of that, that one has kind of fallen out of favor for me. Sure. Um, whereas, like I like I talked about, I don't run gunnery teams on my ISD. Too, I run Darth Vader. So advanced gunnery is definitely that it's first red line, and yeah. if I can chop someone's ECM off and then double tap them with that front arc at close range, that's a dead ship. Yep. Maybe not right this moment, but it's not getting away that game. Yeah. So an advanced gunnery being not only lets you attack as second player, lets you attack the same hull zone of the same ship with your same hull zone twice. So you don't even need to worry about a double arc. You could just say, hey that MC-80 is taking two full fr- ISD front arc shots in the nose from one activation. Um, it also doubles the points cost of an objective ship it's on. For the first player, they can attack two different hull zones on the same ship with the same hull zone, which I've also... I've had instances where I've taken second player with advanced gunnery, and I got a quad in where they were double arcing my front arc, but my front arc had two different arcs to shoot as well, yep. and it rips stuff up pretty quick. And that's the other reason that I don't throw advanced gunnery into my objectives, because <laughs> depending on what your opponent is running, they can actually turn it around on you pretty yeah. easily. Whereas like with Most Wanted, I'm like, your most expensive ship is my target, and my scrub ship that's worth 23 extra points to you is your target. Have yeah. fun. There are times where a most wanted Gazanti could make, make or break a game. Oh, sure. Yeah. But I feel like they're fewer and further in between than someone, you know, rolling in and killing your second player advanced gunnery ISD that you weren't expecting to lose. Because mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a pretty big jump. I remember one, one game that I played where I specifically made my Gazanti that does have Tua and the electronic countermeasures so that it can spend its scatter no matter what and I made that my objective ship and my opponent was at first kind of confused because that's the Gazanti that I want to fly straight at things with the slicer tools and all that um, but then they realized that it was going to be even more difficult to kill and despite the fact that I have more upgrades on it it's not going to give them any more points than if I had put it on my other Gazanti right you know, so Oh, um, I was going to say, so we talked about Star Destroyers. I did want to mention the other two variants a little bit before we go, just to wrap those up. Um, One that I actually like to run a lot in my thematic fleets, because it turns out pretty much every Star Destroyer you see in Star Wars that gets appreciable string time, besides Avenger, Avenger's actually canonically an ISD-2, every other ship that like an important character flies around in is an ISD-1. That's a name I've not heard in a long time. Not since uh, the Kuat came out. And, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. But the ISD-1, it has almost the same attack profile as the Kuat. It has better squadron, way better squadron pushing capacity. The double yep. offensive retrofit it's got, makes it very strong. And, and the ISD-1 has four squadron instead of two. Yeah. Turns out that's a... Doubling your squadron value is pretty good. Right. Um... But it also made it a better boarding trooper ship, but I find it's just a really fun fun one when I'm playing, especially against like newer players, if I'm playing a real casual game, I'll make like a devastator 
Star Destroyer 1 with Darth Vader, and I'll just be like, hey, this is Darth Vader's ship, and it's going to fly around. And um, I do take Minister Tua to give me that electronic countermeasures because we, we've personally talked a lot about um, how important electronic countermeasures is to a large ship. Mm-hmm. And that's why you don't see the ISD-1 anymore, is it doesn't innately have that defensive retrofit that Kuat does. They shoot about the same, so it kind of got taken over. But the last Star Destroyer, which is, I'll be honest, kind of my least favorite, um, which may sound odd, is the Moon, which I think you've flown that one a little more than I have. I Yeah, I have flown that one a little bit more. Moon is, is a little bit of a dark horse for me. Um, I... I have a tough time fitting it into a fleet, but I do have a lot of fun with it. Um, one of my very favorite things with the Simon is that, uh, depending on how you build it, uh, especially if you utilize spinal armament to increase its dice capacity so that at long range it is throwing six red dice uh, and then I am a huge fan of putting H9 turbo lasers on uh, so that you can change one of your hits or crits to an accuracy. I find in my tests and in my games uh, that a Simon kitted out in that way at long range can consistently, with the ability to actually change an accuracy, turn into an accuracy no matter what I roll, can consistently toast flotillas. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times, if your opponent is running support flotillas with comms nets on them, or even just as activation padding, um, it's nice to be able to reach out and touch someone and know that you're actually going to get that damage through. Right. One thing that also helps them a lot is Simon's, unlike all other Star Destroyer variants, do not have an ion cannon slot. They have two turbo laser slots, which is why Ian was saying he can run spinal armaments, which is adds a red dice to your rear and front battery armament. Not to the roll, to the battery armament, so it counts that um, when you're first rolling, it doesn't get obstructed out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also with H9s as well. It also is also the only starter story that base has a fleet command slot Yes. Which means it can take intensify firepower. Intensify firepower. Which um, is a delightful card that says you either spend a token or discard the card for a concentrate fire token. And then all of your ships that round, when they're attacking on every shot against a ship, not a squadron because that would be good. That would be madness. The squadron game wouldn't be all powerful anymore. That's true. (laughs) Um, That's true. But against every shot against a ship, you can take one die of any facing and turn it to a hit. And when you're throwing all those red dice, you're going to have have a blank. It's going to happen. So I find that to be... When I run a Simon, it almost automatically has intensified firepower. Mm -hmm. Usually runs Darth Vader, so you can get those reroll capacity, and that's usually where you see it. Um, But yeah, and again, but it also doesn't have that defensive retrofit, so you've got to find a way to keep it safe from another really big brawler once you've closed in because you got that big front arc at long range but it's not going to take out you know Kuat before they get to you yeah and that can get real bad real fast yeah and that's that's the thing that is the toughest to deal with for Simons is just keeping threats away from them yeah because 
the the engagement distances in this game are actually pretty short. I mean, you can basically close from, you know, maybe round two, my Kuat is, is going to take a long range from your Simoon, but then at the top of next round, I am at close range. I am right in your face. Yeah. You know, they, we just don't have engagement ranges where you can maintain that type of distance for multiple rounds and what you need to take out those brawlers before they can get to you. Yeah. Granted, sometimes softening them up early like that can get you the win still in that engagement. Yep. Um, but it's a little up to the dice and a little up to how things play out. Yep. So um, I think that's it for us today. We've gone marginally over our average play time, but I think we had some good talk going. So Ian, is there anything else you wanted to say before you're close up here no nothing comes to mind um it's been good talking to you and uh i always enjoy engaging with the community you know i hope that someone gets ideas from this and maybe tries something that they haven't flown before um because that to me is is one of the one of the most fun parts of this game you know is just trying out an idea where you go, is that going to work for me? Um, and whether it does or doesn't, at least then you have an idea of how it flies. All right, well, that's all for All Fighters Follow Me today. Please make sure you follow us on... Instagram at affm.official. Um, all Fighters Follow Me is an armchair adventures podcast. I'm Moff Ted. I'm Senator Faith. And I'm Emperor Ian. Thank you, and may the Force be with you.